6.20 p.m. on what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. If the speaker wishes to stop early before 6.20, he may do so, and we will open the meeting for questions. As a reminder, please be aware that if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the Light a Candle podcast. Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michael. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. Okay, let's get here. All right, so I'm Michael. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm Michael. And uh, I thank God for my abstinence and sobriety. And Jen, I don't know if she's here, but uh, I want to thank her for asking me to come today. And Lucy, so good to see you. And uh, so I've got to kick it off with, uh, this is surreal being here tonight. I've been for a few years. This is my uh, home meeting for years and years. I got sober abstinent in this room. And uh, there's people I hadn't seen for like 10, 11 years, and they're all sitting in the same seats as they were 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> Mickey sat there, Susan, you never moved seats, Lisa, and so it's so good. It just makes me feel better when I walked in today. And, uh, you know, I just want to kick it off by congratulating you on, Ariel, on one year. And uh, I was her least favorite sponsor, I can tell you that now. She hated me and didn't speak to me for a few months, and, and I just like... Uh, you know, watched her, uh, you know, hit her bottom, actually. And she was my next-door neighbour, which made it even worse, right? So I had a neighbour that hated me, an ex-sponsee that hated me, that lived next door to me. And, uh, but it, I, knew that, I knew that things would get together for her. I knew that that was just her journey because she had such a great heart and a, a real light in her. And, and now you're married and have your house and your little girl. Uh, little boy so I mean that for me the reason why I brought that up today is it's like the miracles are all around us and that is a miracle really is and it just if anything coming here tonight to to watch that one year chip that's made the night for me so you know I'm glad I came here and I believe God kind of brings these kind of like episodes together I wouldn't have missed that to to see your one year chip so um so I'll, I'll stick to the format uh so I know this meeting's coming up on an anniversary of 18 years because the fact about this meeting, it was started by Roy uh, the first Saturday after 9-11 back in 2001. So 18 years, it's been going strong. And I found my way into this meeting uh, in January 2008 and Deva was the first speaker and Mickey was the first person I ever spoke to. Um, and I was uh, I sat right at the back where Roy's sitting and uh, my life was very different to what it is today my life was really not in a good place and I want to share for the newcomer I'm also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous I'm a recovering alcoholic and I did the the abstinence and sobriety at the same time so I've got 11 and a half years I got abstinent and sober in March of 2008 and uh, I want to share the bottom my last drunk with you so you'll understand how bad I was and what brought me into these rooms and uh, I was working I actually had a job. I was clinging on for dear life in a horrible job working in a bank. And uh, I weighed 333 pounds at the time. I've got the pictures here, so I'll show you the pictures. And uh, I, uh, I could not stop eating. 
you know, and I'm, I'm bulimic as well. I've suffered from all the eating disorders, which I'll talk a little, little bit more about, but I could not stop eating. And I didn't drink every day, but when I drank, I could not stop, right? It was like after the second drink, that was it. And I drank to stop eating. So I'm kind of an unusual alcoholic. I didn't actually like the taste of alcohol. I love the taste of sugar, but alcohol, I love the, te- I love the effect that alcohol produced because just, I just forgot about where I was. And uh, I got sent on a course in this horrible, horrible job, this mortgage bank, worst job I've ever had. And uh, I got sent to Boston on the East Coast and it was uh, Monday through to Wednesday. I vividly remember this. And uh, I just was sitting there going, oh, God, I hate this job and I need a drink. And I was just sitting with all this chocolate on the desk in, on this course, just gorging throughout this course. And I, I sat there and it was like this huge, big, you know, obese guy sitting on the chair and the chair was, and I was sweating all the time and I just felt awful. And uh, I, I, just, I just wanted life to end. I just was in such a bad place. And I remember meeting, <laughs> meeting this Irish guy on this course which was a bad thing in itself, right? And uh, in, in Boston. And he was like, shit, shit, Michael, isn't this course shit? And I went, sorry. And I went, yeah, it's terrible. And he's like, we need a drink. And I went, good idea. And he took me to this pub in South Boston, which was like the hood and Southie. I don't know if anybody's from Boston here. And I, I've got an English accent, but I'm actually of Irish descent. So it didn't go down too well. And I remember uh, him buying me a shot and, and having a pint and uh, all these french fries on the bar and we were just scoffing away and I just thought this is not going to end well on the second one I just remember and I, it's not going to end well this is not going to go well and I woke up four days later in a hotel room that was not my hotel room and I couldn't find any of my clothes and I, the, the true story and I woke up and I was on the floor of this hotel room and I looked to the right of me, I remember vividly this pile of vomit next to me, right, and my face was caked in it. And then I, t- I turned over, compulsive overeater of my two addictions, right, alcohol abuse, and I turned over and there was a half-eaten chicken kebab on the other side. No word of a lie, I started eating it because I had a hangover. And uh, I'd pissed myself as well. I'd pissed myself and I had the same clothes on that I had on on the Wednesday, and it was now like a Sunday, I think. And uh, I mean, joking apart, I was—it was just the worst thing ever. I could not remember anything about the previous four days. That's where my alcoholism took me, and I'd lost a front tooth, I'd, and I, my front tooth was gone. In fact, it was half a tooth, and uh, I had this—I had bruises all over my body. So obviously, something had happened, and. Uh, I just remember waking up and I stank of piss and vomit and kebab and, uh, and mayonnaise. I remember there was mayonnaise in my hair and I just was like, this is, this is where the American dream has taken me, right? I'm an immigrant, this is, you know, what has happened? And uh, I had the shakes, I had the alcoholic shakes. It was a Monday actually. And the only thing that was left in my room, I had my wallet, I remember having my wallet and I had a Blackberry at the time and it, was, and it was vibrating on this table. And I picked it up and it was my boss in Pasadena. And she was an Australian woman. And she was like, where the fuck are you? You know, you should be at work. And I was like, I'm actually still on the East Coast. And she went, you need to get back here now, today, coming in the morning. And I remember getting, 
couldn't find any of my luggage, didn't remember which hotel I was in, getting this uh, taxi. And it's not a funny story, it's actually awful, right? When I look back on it, I weep when I think back to the way I was and getting to Logan Airport and getting on the plane. And I was that fat, I could not put the seatbelt around me, right? I could not even fit into this chair. And there was a woman sitting beside me and she was like obviously working on her lap and she just looked at me and I, you know, the smell and, you know, I had the shakes and uh, she was just like looking at me going, oh my God, I've got six hours sitting next to this. And uh, one of my big amends is I travel a lot in my job now. I'm always flying around. And one of the amends that I do is that whenever I see a woman on a plane and she's putting her luggage up, I take a bag and put it up there, even if she wants me to or not, right? Get out of the way, I'll take your bag, put it up there. No, I've got it. No, 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 I'm putting it up there. Keeps me sober. All right, okay. And uh, so that, that's actually part of my amends, right? My sponsor went, every time you see a woman, you sit next to a woman, you make sure you're nice and polite and you put a bag above in the, in the headspace above. So, and it works. You know, it works. These kind of little things work, right? So I'm on this plane, uh, stink of piss and uh, urine. I haven't showered for four days, 333 pounds. I think you get the picture, okay? And uh, I remember looking out the window and I just thought, I wish this plane would just crash with me in it. I can't go on like this. I just, and this is like, this was the end of it. I mean, this, this kind of episodes, these four day blackouts have been going on for years and years and years. And, you know, I kept eating and, you know, my, my overeating history is like unbelievable, right? You know, got myself up to 333 pounds. And then I'd be like, all the way through my teens and my twenties, I, I was either really skinny because I had like anorexia, you know, I'd get down to 170 or I was like 333 pounds. I vomited when I worked out. I thought that was a good workout if I worked out so hard that I vomited. I had surgery on my, on my feet back in the UK. And two, two weeks later, with the stitches still in my foot, I would go running, right? This is the insanity of the disease. And the doctor went, what are you doing? And I went, I, I'm training for a marathon. I've got to stay this way. I'm, you know, I was always obsessed with my weight, and ladies, if you think you're, women are the only people who have body dysmorphia, no, we have it. Men have it in abundance, in abundance. And I had this body dysmorphia and I just could not stop eating and life was just terrible. So I got back to, um, back to Pasadena and uh, you know, I was living with this family, this hippie family in Pasadena who had taken pity on me and I was living on the sofa and I had no money, uh, like credit card debt out of control you know, my life, my life was terrible. And I went in the next day and I was like, I really hope this woman fires me. I just can't stand this job anymore, you know? And I went in and typically I work in corporate America. There was absolutely no way you would keep your job. There's no way I'd keep my job in the company I work for now. So I went in and this woman, Jan, my boss, was a, a member of Al-Anon, I had no idea. And you know, God sends his angels in human form. And I love Al-Anons, right? Because they take great pity on alcoholics. That's a joke, by the way, they don't really. And uh, so, you know, some of them do, some of them do, sorry, Alanons, some of you do, right? And, uh, and uh, so I walked in and she went, you know, Michael, you're a good guy, you know, you got lots of potential. I was like, I don't want to hear this, Jan, just fire me. And she went, you know, we're gonna give you a couple of weeks off, you'd look terrible and you stink. And we're gonna give you a couple of weeks off to get yourself sorted out. And she said, you know, I was married to an alcoholic and you're an alcoholic. 
And I was like, no, I'm, no, I'm just like, got it, you know, just chat and fire me. And no, you come back in two weeks. And she went, I really, really think you should go to a meeting, a 12-step meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And even in my desperation, my ego still wanted to take control. Even in that pain, right? That desperation, that ego was like, you got it here. Don't worry. But they don't know what they're talking about. You got it here. But, you know, all my cards read zero. I mean, they really did. Apart from having this crappy job, they, they all read zero. I mean, I was, you know, I, I was suicidal. I wanted it all to end. I just didn't have the guts to do it. So I had a friend who was, who'd gone to AA before, but I don't think he was an alcoholic. And he took me to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous in Pasadena. And I went in and it was, it was like, really, it, it, something happened. Something shifted for me. And I went in there and I was like, people were very kind to me. And I sat, you know, it made me sit in the front row, which annoyed me. And, uh, you know, people would come up and give me their cards and like, hey, okay, I'll call you. What, you know, what are you? I thought they were Scientologists or something. They were trying to like get me to buy stuff. And, uh, but, you know, they were very kind to me. And, you know, I didn't drink that day. But I stuffed my face in that AA meeting, the donuts and the pastries. I mean, I just could not stop eating. It was like out of control. I mean, like really out of control. And so he said, you know, there's a, a food pro, you know, they have all these 12 step pro, pro, you know, programs for everything. And he said, they have a food issues, you know, a food program. So I went to my, um, my, I went to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous a couple, about a week or two afterwards, because when I stopped drinking, the, the food just got even worse. It just like, was like totally out of control. And I started throwing up again. I started deliberately making myself sick. And uh, so I went to this meeting out in, I don't know where it was, the 210 somewhere out, I don't know, all the way, you know, out there. And uh, if it's not, if it, I'm, I'm a West Side guy now. If it's past, the, past West Hollywood, I, I forget what the place is called anymore. And, I, and uh, so I went all the way out to this place in the 210 and I found this little OA clubhouse on a Sunday night and it was a men's stag. And I went in and I was petrified, but the food was real. The food was causing me so much pain and misery. And I walked in, true story, first OA meeting. There was a guy lying in the middle of the floor. It was like 10 to seven and the meeting started at seven o'clock. There was only this guy there, OA, right? Everybody comes the last five minutes, apart from like a candle where they're all here an hour before. And uh, so he's lying in the middle of the floor and I walked in, newcomer, never been in an OA meeting before. You know, picture it, right? You've been newcomers, you're like, what's going on here? Petrified, is it gonna work for me? Life, life's terrible, you know, I've got nowhere else to go. And I walked in and he sat up and he went, do you believe in God? <laughs> uh, I was like, uh, yeah. And he went, you're in the right place and laid back down again, right? <laughs> And I sat on the chair, and I knew I'd hit a bottom, because normally I'd have been out the door, like, this is California cult, these Americans are nuts, I'm out of here. And, uh, I, but I was so bad, I sat, and, and then this other guy called Daryl came in, who was like an angel, and I've seen him since, this is 11 and a half years ago. And then this other guy came in, this guy who was like 400 pounds, poor, poor soul. So it made me feel a little bit better about myself because he was 400 pounds. And I was kind of comparing myself to him going, yeah, I don't look as bad as that. <laughs> and, uh, or maybe I do, you know. And, and, uh, and so, uh, as you do, come on, you do it, you do it. Come on, don't laugh. And, uh, and uh, they, they sat up, this guy sat up and sat on a chair and, and they had a meeting. 
And it was uh, beautiful. It was 12 step. It was God. It was where two or more meet in my name. And the presence of God was there. And that was the start of my journey. And uh, if you're struggling with an eating disorder or you're struggling with any addiction, you know, I, I just say to you, just stay right in the middle because miracles will happen. Ariel's a miracle. I'm a miracle. They're all miracles. All these people are miracles. I mean, Lucy, all of you, Mickey, biggest miracle of them all, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I know Mickey. He's a miracle. And, uh, and so we had this meeting and the, I just felt better. And here was the miracle. I did not compulsively overeat that night. I went straight home. And I had a little glimmering of hope. And he gave me this little card, this little prayer card. And it was the third step card. And he said, when you get home, instead of opening the refrigerator, say that prayer before you go to bed. Daryl told me to do that. And I did it. And I did not overeat. I did the following morning, but I did not that night. And so I went back the next night, the next week, the next Sunday I went back. And he said, uh, you know, there's uh, this meeting over in, in Brentwood on the west side. It's on a Saturday night. It's a pretty good meeting. There's an Irish guy uh, called uh, Mickey. And uh, there's this uh, other guy called Walter. And uh, it's a really good mean speaker meeting. And they all go and have dinner afterwards in Santa Monica. And there's a lot of recovery in there. And he said, you know, I really think you should go. And I went. I came next week. And I sat at the back. And Deva was the speaker. But it took me about a month to approach anybody in the meeting. And Mickey was the first person I went up to because I could hear his accent. And I looked around and I went, they're all thin. And they're all kind of like good looking as well. And you know, it's Brentwood. And, and uh, they're all wearing yoga pants. And, like, <laughs> you know. and I was sitting in the back with my, you know, my sweats on. And very ashamed still about the way I looked. But I, each time I came to an OA meeting, there was just this... The door of hope just kept opening a little bit more. And I was no longer chained in this, in this dark dungeon of addiction. And I was going to AA meetings a lot. And so I, I, I spoke to Mickey and, and uh, got a lot of, lot of help and love from Mickey. And then I met Walter and, uh, you know, it, it just took off, you know, it took off. You know, the, the, the journey of recovery really took off. And uh, I was relieved of compulsive overeating and bulimia and restricting and calorie counting. I'm not gonna say obsessing with my body because I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that 11 and a half years into this. But, and I was relieved of the disease of, of alcoholism on the 31st of March, 2008. And I have not compulsively eaten. I have not counted a calorie. I have not thrown up. I have not got crazy around food in that time. And that's 11 and a half years later. And that, is absolutely miraculous and if that doesn't show you today that this program works i don't know what's going to show you because i was a low low bottom look at the pictures that's not the same person you're looking at today inside or out inside or out and it is all because of the 12 steps god and this program of recovery and the program of alcoholics anonymous it, it's a miracle you know today I'm in freedom. I live in freedom. I live in freedom. You know, I don't obsess about food anymore. I don't even think about taking a drink. You know, I, I, life is really good. I have a great life. I really do have a great life. 
I want to share something else with you, another miracle. Um, the first meeting that I came to here in January 2008, I was so ashamed about the way I looked. And I drove and I parked in the bank across the road where I parked tonight. And I sat on the steps of the bank. And it was a night just like tonight. It was beautiful. And I'd never been to this part of Los Angeles before. And I just remember sitting on the steps and going, this is just beautiful. You know, the palm trees. And then this really fit guy ran past me. And I went, I wish I could run like that. I wish I looked like that. I wish I could run on that street. San Vincente. I wish I could run on that street. You know, and then I looked up at the blue sky and I went, I wish I lived in this area. This would just be such a lovely place to live. You know, I wish I had a job. I wish I had a great job. You know, I wish I was thin. I wish I was fit. Eleven and a half years later, and this is not ego. This is the promises and the miracle. I live around the corner. I own my own home. I live in Brentwood. I have a fantastic job, career, right? I run every night up and down San Vincente. I meditate in the little courtyard of the church. The whole church knows me. I actually go to this church on Sundays. You know, I come to AA meetings in this room. 219 is my God-favored number. This is room 219. It all started here. And that, those are the miracles for me. That was the journey. God has got my back. God's got my back. You know, all I have to do is stay right in the middle of this and work the steps, 10, 11, and 12 every day. And the biggest thing that keeps me sober, happy, joyous, and free is giving back. It's simple, right? I sponsor men in the other program. I don't sponsor anybody in OA at the moment, actually. It's quite strange. But I've sponsored a lot of people in OA over the years, mainly women as well, actually, mainly bulimic women. And, it, and it's been a real trip, actually. It's been incredible. And, but now I, I typically sponsor alcoholic men. And, uh, you know, with, with somebody today where we meet, we meet in the courtyard and we do the steps in the courtyard here in the church. And, uh, you know, I try and live a 12-step life. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's, it's incredible compared to what it used to be like 11 and a half years ago. And, uh, you know, it's a good life, you know. And I'm sharing this with you, not because I'm the big I am. I'm sharing it with you because... I'm trying to show you what happens when you dive into this program. There's a whole room full of people like me that could get up and say the same thing. It's not just me, okay? A whole room full of people in here. But I'm going to talk a little bit about... Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the adversity in program that I found, right? A little bit about uh, life has not been perfect. Life, uh, you know, has, has presented its challenges. But at no time have I compulsively overeaten. So... You know, I, uh, as a kid, I was abused as a child and um, quite badly, actually. And when I did the steps in Alcoholics Anonymous and OA the first time around, I remember writing it down and uh, I wrote it down and I, and I was very honest with my sponsor, but I didn't really deep within me forgive the person who abused me, which was my father. And I held my mother responsible for it. And so I had a, my father died, he, he, he was an alcoholic and he died, but he abused me up until he died. And um, I, I really, really had a bad relationship with my mother. And so even though I was sober, I wasn't free for many, many years in this program. And God has a way of, uh, of bringing something into your life that is very painful, even in recovery, which happened to me about 14, 15 months ago. 
and it, and it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. So about 14 or 15 months ago, something happened to me in program where it made me suicidal with, with 10 years of sobriety. I've just celebrated 10 years in this program in AA and I was like suicidal for a, few, for a couple of months. It was just terrible. And uh, you know, I got a lot of love in, in Alcoholics Anonymous particularly. And I, I went to away meetings, but I didn't really share a lot about it because it was something very personal and something I wanted to share in men-only meetings, men's stags meetings. But it was, uh, it was a particularly painful period last year for me. And uh, what I did was I just doubled up, doubled up three meetings a day sometimes. And I shared very openly about what was going on with me. And uh, it was, uh, I got a lot of love and it was a really hard thing that, that had happened to me. And um, out of it, my sponsor, I love to bits, Fabian, you know, I love that guy. You know, he's like my brother, more than a brother. And, uh, you know, he was there for me all the way. And um, out of that came me doing the steps again. And the, the reason why this pain came into my life was for me to wake up, right? Because compulsive eaters learn from pain, right? They learn from pain. Nobody's sitting in here that's coming in here on the wings of victory. Nobody, right? You've all come in because of pain in some form or another in your lives. That's why you're sitting here on a Saturday hot night. And um, so out of that pain, I did the steps again and I really dug in with 10 and a half years in, and I really got into this, this uh, real pain and hurt uh, around this abuse as a child. And uh, out of it, my sponsor went, you, you need to get on a plane and go back to the UK. You need to go and see your mother. And I was like, I can't do that. No, there's just no way. And he's like, you, you really need to do that. And uh, you need to just spend a, a week with her. And uh, my relationship with my mother, I'd call her. This is, this is what my relationship was with my mother was like in recovery. I'd call her and I would, on my phone, I would I'd time it to 20 minutes because that's all I could take, right? 20 minutes because she drove me nuts. And I just was so resentful to her, even with all, this, all these years in. So I, I, uh, I got on a plane last uh, November and I went home and uh, uh, I spent a week with her. And it was the most beautiful week I've ever had. And I told my mother every day that I loved her. And I told her that she was a great mother and I was very, very lucky having a mother like that. And my mother had hurt her back, she had uh, disc problems. And every morning I would get, go in with tea and I would help her out of bed. And I would help her to the bathroom and I would help her undress and into the shower and I would help her off the toilet seat. And I did this for a week, right, every, every day. And I just spent time with her. And my sponsor went, all your job is for the next week is to spend your, all your time with her and just give all your love to her, total service. Total, and you ever get a resentment, pray, and you call me. I didn't get a resentment the whole week. And we talked a lot about the past. And I never brought up the abuse because I don't think she knew about it. I didn't bring any of that up. You know, every time anything came up about the past, I changed it to a much more positive you know, kind of, and it was just, be it was just beautiful, you know, it was beautiful, and I have no resentments today about anything, anything, and I've been through heartbreak, you know, heartbreak, twice, do you know how painful it is, heartbreak, a breakup, you know, and uh, I have no resentment at all to any of the things that have happened, and I'm not a victim, and now I have a rule with my mother 
that I call her every four days. Thank you. And uh, the first thing I do when I call her is I tell her that I love her. I go, and I could not do that before doing the steps last year. I couldn't do it. Oh yeah, hi mum, are you okay? Now it's like, I love you, how you doing? And she's like a different person. Mm. We laugh and we, she's so funny on the phone. <laughs> and she's like, you know, are you still going to those meetings? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But you go to mass though, don't you? you go, <laughs> and I, I, I tell a little fib and go, every Sunday, mother. Every Sunday, all right. And so I'm gonna go back again in November and uh, you know, I, I just wanted to tell you that because even in recovery, you can carry, you can carry resentment around, and uh, you know, for me, I just couldn't do it anymore. And God brought this pain into my life, and everything has just transitioned. You know, in the last year, the last year, the last twelve months has been the most powerful year of my recovery, and I do not suffer from any addictions today. You know, I, I'm I'm free, I'm clean, I'm free. It's fantastic. I wake up every morning, I'm like, I look out the, my bedroom window and I look at the Getty Center. I'm living the dream. I'm living the American dream. Here I am, an immigrant. That's just unbelievable, you know? Came here with nothing to this country. Nothing. And God has given me everything. And um, I don't have too much to talk about, really. You know, the food thing, I know you, we can open it up for... We still do the questions, right? And, um, you know, the food thing, I don't really... I don't really have an eating plan, right? I just don't. I do. I, you know, my food is clean when there is no resentment. You know, I'm an emotional eater, so when I clear clear all that nonsense up and all this like garbage in my head, and I go to God, it, my food just gets clean. And uh, you know, but I do use the tools, and OA is phenomenal for that. So I have a sponsor, Kenji, who's got 40 years of abstinence in the valley, and I call him every night at 10 o'clock. Doesn't matter where I am, I call him at 10 o'clock. So if I'm on the East Coast, it's 7 o'clock his time, or the Central, wherever I am, and I call him at 10 o'clock. And most of the time, I don't have a whole lot to talk to him about. And just sometimes it's two minutes. Hey, Ken, checking in. Your food's looking good. How's your day? Da 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 da. Two minutes, it's down. Other times, it's like 20 minute conversation. Um, but that's a really important tool, having a really solid. So I've got two sponsors. I've got an OA sponsor, I've got an AA sponsor. And my AA sponsor, is phenomenal but he doesn't get the food and my OA sponsor totally gets the food and I need that I, I need an OA sponsor right because you know if I shared that you know if I shared in an AA meeting and I was at the airport the other day and I was like looking at this pizza and I really wanted it and I, I got on the plane I was still thinking about the pizza all the Elkies go just have the damn pizza what's wrong with you but you know if I have that pizza when I get off of the plane, I'm going to have another pizza, and then I'm going to have another pizza, and then my day's ruined. My day's ruined. It is ruined. And so I still have this disease of compulsive overeating. It is not cured. It's just treated. And right now, my food is clean. It hasn't always been, but right now it's clean. And, uh, you know, I, I, do, I don't want to drone on and on. You know, I just I wanted to share that the thing about my mother. I wanted to share about my first drunk. I wanted to share about, you know cleaning up my act and, and share about all the promises and, and good things. I can tell you about my problems. There's no point in coming to meetings talking about problems. I mean, so, I want to know how we get through this together. This is a get happy program, not a cling on for dear life. I want to stay at this weight range program. It's not. It's a get happy program. 
I told a sponsee this morning, you need to start smiling in meetings, young man. He didn't smile when I told him to do that, but maybe tomorrow he will. So anyway, I will, uh, I'll leave it there and uh, uh, take any questions you've got about food and, and all the rest of the good stuff. So thanks for letting me share. Funny, Jen, Jen sent me an email with all what I had to do today. And I'm like, I, I miss Jen. I wish she was here. And it was like, I was reading it going, this is so Jen. Do not swear. Repeat the question loudly and all that. So anyway, go ahead. Oh, I wish you hadn't gone away with that one. Uh, how, did I, how did I get through the breakups? Well, you know, my, my, I, I went through a breakup two and a half years ago with a phenomenal girl that I was with for six and a half years, and I met her in this meeting. People know who she is. I don't want to, you know, I know it's been recorded. And uh, I was with her for six and a half years, or five and a half years. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I miss her daily. I, when I came in tonight, I was, I was thinking about her. And, uh, but I, have no, I just wish the best for her. You know, I really hope everything's going well for her. But she came in one night and said, I'm leaving. And I was like, where are you going? And she went, no, I'm leaving. And I went, yeah, no, when are you coming back? No, I'm leaving you. And I was like, whoa. And it was like a grenade going off next to me. And I didn't see it coming. And uh, it was very, very painful. And, uh, but, you know, it took a lot of bravery for her to do that and a lot of courage. And she, uh, she acted with complete integrity. She could have really screwed me over financially and she didn't. And, uh, you know, for that, I'm very grateful. And we both acted... It was a perfect blueprint for a sober breakup. And uh, at no time did I eat or compulsively eat. And, uh, you know, I wished, her, I wished her well. But unfortunately, being a good alcoholic, you know, I, I dived into another relationship very, very quickly after that. And against my, my sponsor's uh, direction. And that was the pain that I was talking about that brought me back to the UK. That was a terribly painful breakup. And, uh, you know, actually it took a year out of dating and women and all of it and just, just focused on my program. And, uh, you know, now I'm dating again. And it's like unbelievable. It's great. I met some, I've met some great quality women in the last couple of months. And there's no, there's no anxiety around it. It's like whatever, God, third step, you know, whatever happens, happens. So, uh, you know, everything I do is, is a third step, you know, whether it's finance or romance, career, food you know even in a, in a restaurant i have to do a third step in the restaurant when i'm picking a, a meal you know mm-hmm. at the airport where do i go god you know everything it's all a third step you know i'm in the starbucks god what do you think venti or grande what do you think <laughs> gas station 9189 i'm not kidding you that's the way i live my life and it works it works very well great question lucy thank you michael when you get obsessed now, whether it's with your body or work or success or whatever, yeah. how do you work with that? What tools do you use? Yeah, great question as well. So I, when I get obsessed about my body or work or success or, you know, you know, I, you know, I live in L.A. I get caught up in the whole L.A. thing. There's no greater city in the world to remind you of what you don't have than Los Angeles. <laughs> Just need to drive down Sunset Boulevard and you're like, oh, look at that six pattern that dude, you know. I need to get back in Equinox every day. What's going on here? Now, why has he got that? I'm in alcoholism when there's a lack. When there is a lack, I'm in alcoholism. Now, I didn't grow up in Brentwood, right? I did not grow up in Brentwood. I did not grow up in a place like Brentwood. The place I grew up in was probably a little bit more like maybe Van Nuys. 
Sorry, Van Eyes. All right. So sometimes when I'm in Brentwood, I can look at people and I talk to people and I'm like, you didn't hit a triple. You got born on third base. That's alcoholism. So when I'm comparing and despairing, and the other thing is I do not go near social media, by the way. Social media and sugar, whew, kryptonite to a compulsive overeater because it's just comparing and despairing. So I know I can identify that obsession and that lack because it causes me pain. There's no God in any of that. And so how I get out of that, gratitude list first thing in the morning, gratitude list first thing, uh, last thing at night, and I send it to my sponsor on a text, you know, and I'm constantly looking at what's working in my life. And there is a lot working in my life. I am a very, very lucky man. There's a lot working. There's no lack in my life. There is only abundance in this life. It's great. There's no drama. It's all God. Third step, gratitude. Gets you out of obsession. And calling a really low bottom sponsee. <laughs> and listening to him for 15 minutes. Go ahead, Susan. You got sober with your food and with alcohol. You were at this job in Pasadena and you were miserable. And it sounds like maybe you had some cleanup to do. So how did you clean up the wreckage you'd caused when you were not a... At the bank? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So it, it, I caused a lot of wreckage at the, the, the bank I was working at. Here's another miracle. So I worked with the, at, at the first bank that collapsed in the 2008 crash. My bank caused that domino effect. It was the bank I worked for, right? And Mickey actually called me when that all went down, right? And uh, I, I did not lose my job. The bank collapsed and I kept my An alcoholic kept his job, right? And I was in sales. I know you're going to ask afterwards. I'll explain it. So the FDIC all came in and everybody... And I, I remember typing away and they went, stop. And I went, what? And they took my computer away. <laughs> and they went, stay here. And so for like a couple of months, I just sat in a room all day, not, not doing anything, right? And it, you couldn't leave. And uh, so I turned up every day. And I was of service to my wonderful boss, the Al-Anon, Jen. And out God put this incredible opportunity my way, this incredible company, in the entertainment business, the TV world, and I've been with them for 11 and a half years. See how God's taken care of me. Unbelievable. It's incredible. He just, I, everything's him. All right, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It's now time for our seventh tradition. While we have no dues or fees, we do have expenses for this meeting, and each group ought to be fully self-supporting through its own 